look, the only thing that you need to be going deep on, and this might be counterintuitive to a lot of people, it's not the features and benefits, the details, the weeds, the process, the compliance, the administration. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Thursday night here. Heads up advisor. I'm still getting things ready here, Craig. I got to get Thursday already. Thursday already. It happened fast this week, man. I hate to tell you. I, I told you, man, winter's coming. If you ain't paying attention, I see it. I feel it. Close another count today. Ooh. It's getting exciting. It's getting exciting. I mean, it's only July. Only July. Those that are getting after it are going to start winning. I remember on our last call, our last year, we said, you know what? Setting the hook is something that we're going to have to go over quarterly. So we didn't do it quarterly. We're going to do it annually right now. Going into the fourth quarter, we got to help you guys understand again how to set that hook when you're talking to prospects, when you're talking about self-funding, because that's what we're about, obviously, if you're trying to win business. If you're talking about fully insured and HRA wraps, I mean, maybe it's far and few. You might find somebody that hasn't done it or heard already, but... (laughs) Good luck to you, my friend. Good luck to you. Sales hooks, Craig's. What do you got? Sales hook. Hey, everybody needs them, right? What are you going to do to sound different, to be different, to get a different response, to disrupt the automatic response that's built into every prospect meeting because they know who you are, they know what you do, they know what you're going to say. Heck, they even know what you need. They got a pile of crap sitting there waiting for you when you come in to give you. It's like this is how you throw your hat in the ring and give us free quotes. Or do they know? See, that's the question. Is how, What are you going to do to differentiate, right? I'll tell you what you do to differentiate. Show sponsor today, Virtue Alliance. Check us out, virtualliance.com. Good luck finding a spot to book a demo because we're backed up for the next four weeks after the webinar. Speaking of which, we are running another one next Thursday, Virtue Health Consortium webinar next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And we are officially sold out for high stakes advising. We cut it off at 75. It's going to be a good one for those that signed up. Get ready for some fun. Bring your notepad. Shout out to Jeff Seeley. Just got an email from him. Said he's sending half his company over to come to the event. Do I recall the facts correctly? You did one last Thursday, right? First one, your yes. webinar. And didn't you already close the case from it, from doing the demo? Pretty much. Yeah. Hello. Who's doing marketing? <laughs> Almost nobody. Wait, I closed in 8-1. In 8-1. What's today's date? Oh, the 15th. Day. Okay, it's the 15th yeah. webinar to opportunity to pitch to employer to the very next day. Hey, in email, we're excited. Let's go. 8-1. I'm ready to go. Ridiculous. It's, it's, it's happening, guys. Yeah. It's happening. If you're marketing, it's happening. But let's talk about setting the hook, right? And we talked a lot about it last year on that call, and it really comes down to less is more, right? Don't show up and throw up. Throw up. And so... What I see a lot of times is in, you know, excitement and advisors, you know, they want to tell them everything and all the cool stuff and the bells and whistles. And I get it because I was there. I made all those mistakes. And you got to refrain from doing that. Yeah, Craig's hands up as perfect as you think Craig is. That's what he used to do. That's how I and learned. Do- I had to learn to get smart by being stupid for a long time. So that's the experience, man. Yeah, just show up and shut up and bite your tongue. But less is more. Keep it simple. Stupid. Okay. If you're going to be entering the realm of selling self-funding with your prospect, less is more. Make it look and smell just like what they have. But point of this, the episode today is you cannot show up in a renewal meeting to sell funding, meaning 
great. I went out, I probably sell funding. It's a nine one and we're July 15th. So we're 45 days out and I'm going to go into a renewal meeting with, you know, the green tree company and their renewal increase. And this cool self-funding thing that, you know, is a long-term play and strategy. And I'm going to cover ancillary to renewal and vision and dental and life and LTD. And we're going to chit chat in the beginning and we're going to talk about family. We're talking about all this stuff. And I'm going to pitch self-funding and go over the room all in one meeting. What are the odds <laughs> of you being able to con- tell a compelling story to take the transition and a leap into self-funding? I think it takes 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the buyer, more. Standalone and meeting. Standalone meeting. It has to be sold in advance. The whole point is setting the hook. So if you want to think about your clients, you want to think about your prospect. If it's your client in a renewal meeting, it's just not a place to be. I've seen advisors put me there. and I'm not knowing until I'm in the meeting that I'm in a renewal meeting. And we're going over the renewal. (laughs) And the first option is a higher deductible. And it's only a 5% increase if you cut the benefits and shift costs. And so they're always going to take the easy button and go next year. Wait, I'm laughing. John, you know the story, but I got to tell the story. I'm in Arkansas, right? We're doing a bunch of meetings. And so one of the meetings, a couple of universities, and I'm thinking, oh, this ought to be interesting, right? Because they're a decent size. And I go there. And these guys whip out binder after binder after. They have two binders, A through Z tabs, a full binder, A through Z, and probably half of the next binder. And they're going through every gosh darn thing they've ever sold these guys. Oh, and they're going to do me a favor by introducing me at the end of that meeting. Okay, look, it was hilarious to see, you know, the way, you know, this was just two years ago. Okay. I mean, it's like, wait, I sold that way in the nineties. What state am I in? Right. It was like going back in time. Right. Remember the last show, the way back machine. Yeah, dude. Okay. I had to get up for coffee three times during their hour and a half presentation just to stay awake. And I'm thinking, my God. And then I'm supposed to come in and just change their world after an hour and a half of droning on. Don't do that, please. It doesn't work. What state was this in? Arkansas. Yeah. They're a little slow, a little behind. Hey, shout out to Tom Emmerich. Talked to him the other day out in Arkansas. He fishing uh, on the pond. Yeah, I think he's uh, more and more retired out in that cabin, living good. Yeah, I mean, guys, you can't talk about this stuff in the renewal meeting if you're not really. Look, if you're looking to cover your ass, I get you. Hats off to you. Hey, we showed it as an option, but don't think you're actually going to sell it. So don't put a partner or whoever in that meeting to talk about self-funding, right? It's got to be sold in advance. You set this hook. You tell them this compelling story. You take them through the pain train. You ask them if they want an opportunity to win in healthcare, and you present it to them and you get them bought into thinking this different way. It takes time, guys. I mean, look, although I've sold a lot of self-funded accounts, it still takes time depending on how sophisticated the buyer is. You know, they're not very, I had a friend over the other day and they asked me what I did and, you know, self-fund and I struggled for a minute to explain it to her because I knew I had to go from really the beginning. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, maybe is that long of a path to understand? And we assume these people understand so much. And yeah, they have some understanding of health insurance. This person didn't, but it's still a long path to go, meaning it's not going to be one, two, three. You know, we know acronyms. We know it. We get it. But the point is, is you got to keep it simple, especially in the beginning. If you go too far deep down a rabbit hole, you just lose them. Look, the only thing that you need to be going deep on, and this might be counterintuitive to a lot of people, it's not the features and benefits, the details, the weeds, the process, the compliance, the administration. No, 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 no. What you need to go deep on is that prospect's motivation, 
their feelings, their fears, uncertainties, and doubts. Like, did they do a friend a favor? And that's who the broker is. Do you know how they define risk? Are they trying to avoid risk or what they perceive to be risk? Is there an opportunity if the whole thing hinges on their definition of risk? Do you have the ability to redefine and reframe risk as staying the same and continuing to experience all the pain associated with that and the loss and the noise from the employees? You know, do you have that ability to reframe it? You have to find out what is it that makes them tick, right? So here's an idea. I watched the last show, John. I was like, okay, we'll come up with some good stuff, some new stuff. This is a really interesting book, right? And the guy says, hey, look, everybody buys, right? So they buying to make themselves look good. That's what a lot of HR people do. Are they trying to keep themselves from looking bad? Self-preservation, right? It's so bad. My boss called me and said, I got to do something because, you know, we can't have a 100% rate increase. Is it to please others, right? My boss told me, look, just try not to change anything and keep the rate increase as low as possible. That's a huge portion of the market there, pal. But if you don't ask the questions and discover that, you don't know that their actual motivation is to change as little as possible. And you're presenting fully insured to self-insured, you might be missing the boat, right? They're repaying friendships. They're keeping up with the crowd, right? The sheep, you bring them, oh, we got the peer benchmarks because we belong to this national yada, yada. And here's what it says. And, you know, 72% of the people are self-insured. I mean, do you feel exposed that you're not? You know, to avoid risk and to protect their own egos. They don't want to look stupid. And so those are the kind of things you need to spend time on is engaging these people in conversations to literally just pull that out of their chest and figure out what makes them tick. Because all that features and benefits stuff, while, you know, it might be really exciting to us pointy-headed people, that's not what makes the sale. I mean, yeah, you can talk shiny objects and features and benefits if that's that they want. I'm going to read you a section of an email from yesterday. And an employer, I mean, you don't really see this happen, but I dug into, they'd already been self-funded the right way. And then they did RBP. It didn't go right. Went back to Blue Cross. Now they want to come back. And, you know... Initially going into it prior, I was like, wow, this is going to be a tough one, right? This is going to be a tough one. They already went down that path. Things didn't go well. You know, this is going to be tough. But I just kind of dug into them and just asked them questions around what their goal was, what their outcome was, what the purpose of healthcare was. All the simple shit we talk about. Look, I always keep it on here. I just pull it out. Here's my script in case I get lost, right? Just in case I forget something somewhere in the funnel and I can track where I am in this sales funnel here. And, uh, you know, they say, I both really, really like what your plan has to offer. And I'm very excited for the opportunity from a, both an employer and employee vantage point. I mean, how often do you ever hear that after a self-funded pitch or talking about health insurance that I'm excited about what it has to offer? And so all I did was frame the conversation around things that were important to them, right? You just fill the shotgun shells up and now sell around everything that they want and tell them about how this solution gives them what they want. And I mean, to get a response like that's difficult to begin with. But the point of the story is you have to set the hook in advance. You can't just try to push bottom right-hand corner on a spreadsheet because this is a strategy sale. Totally. It's not the fully insured renewals, guys and gals. Look, we all know what that is. We've done it to death. That's this thing, right? That was easy. Yeah. That's, I mean, come on. It finally bored me to tears. I had to get out of retail. Self-funding is a long-term sales strategy. And so it's why it has to have its own meeting because especially if you're transitioning somebody because they need to understand, right? Philosophically, are you guys ready for incremental change, transitional change, or transformational change? And can we have a conversation around that? Because think about this. 
they might perceive a working spouse carve-out or a spousal surcharge as transformational change. But they're willing to jack up the contributions for family in order to create a disincentive for anybody to want to sign up for family. They want to take a passive approach because they don't like the optics of like, well, we don't want them to know that we don't want their family signing up. And so there's all these opportunities, whether it's premiums, plan design, DPC, pharmacy, bundled pricing, direct contracting, RBP, guys, MSK, I mean, sleep disorders, diabetes disorders, disease management, PHM, analytics, wellness programs, and it's 72 iterations. All those things could be conversations about what are you ready for for the next year, right? And then you plot it out and you keep these people on track for the commitments that they make to you over the long term, all wrapped in a self-insured bundle. The only way you can maximize all of those strategies, because for the most part, the carriers are not going to let you do that, which is part of how you redefine risk, for the HR manager and director. The risk is actually, if you've painted the picture of how incredible it would be for people to be able to have more choice, more freedom, less cost, a better experience, and lower premium contributions and lower rate increases forever, and knowing that you can't ever get that in the prepaid premium scenario that you have today. And if you can paint that picture, get them to commit to a long-term strategy, you have all these different areas that you can play with like a dial and you tune it in, like going to the eye doctor, right? And they go, you know, left or right, left or right, which is clear. And you start to do that. And all of a sudden, you've got a long-term commitment. They're not doing the, you know, every 12 months we get three brokers in and we say, we're really sophisticated. We make healthcare people buy like uh, property and casualty and you get those three markets and you get those three and you get those two and the incumbent gets picked first, you know, and that's, <laughs> I mean, that's what's passed for sophistication for 20 years for most buyers. Basically what I did was, is I pulled up a case study and go, let's take a look at what it would look like because this is around where you are. And I showed them an actual case study of five years. And let me show you what we did and take you through the process of here's your per employee per year. Here's your national average. And let's take a look the year we shifted them to self-funding, 2016, when the dust settles, right? Today, you're going to see maximum cost. And I'm going to show you a performer on expected and what expected should look like over five years, because some years it's up, some years it's down. Let's not focus on max cost, right? And so I took them year to year and I said, we take them self-funded with training wheels, here we go the first year, right? And so what we did the second year was because of significant savings, we were able to cut the doctor co-payments in half, cut the prescription co-payments in half, and offer a plan that has zero deductible for all members that make smart decisions for healthcare, okay? And we still spent 9,000 PEPY versus fully insured trend at 13,000, okay? And obviously you can see by the chart, we're spending less now five years ago now than we did five years ago, there is no renewal increase, right? There is no trend. Okay. And then, then I show them, Hey, look, here's your bad year. You won in four years. Here's the bad year they had on the third year. Okay. Oh, wait, you're still spending less here. Oh, did I mention you have a dramatically better health plan? So this is even fair to compare because if we had a health plan we have now, I'd have to put the trend right. up here. Silver right? versus platinum. It's not the same. Yeah. And I took them down the track. And then I showed them, this is what it looks like. This is an actual sample. Here's the cumulative savings, right? Year over year. Here's cumulative. 1.3 million versus fully insured trend. Conservative trend at six and a half, seven percent And I said, this is a 53 life group. You're 120. Do the math. Oh, and our performa 
that we showed was projecting $2.5 million versus a conservative fully insured trend. And so I said, yeah, you can do the math that this is going to look and smell very much like where you're going to end up. And then what I did was I said, now you can take it for my word or you can take it from my clients because I want to make sure that you understand that people actually do this and they believe in it. So let me show you a video of this actual client that was just like you and thought, well, you know, maybe this is, can't be done, this, that, or the other. And I showed him the video and social proof, no questions asked, no references, no nothing. And again, set the hook to say, here's what it could be. Now, look, I was in a meeting where I did have the numbers, right? It wasn't in advance. It was a last minute thing. But if you show that all in advance and get them cited, that is setting the hook. You've already made the sale. That's the sales meeting. The rest is get the numbers to work and get them to sign. What do you say, Craig? Oh, you know, I'm a big fan of that. You know, you can always tell them how smart they are and go into, you know, where do we set the spec? And if we set the spec too low, you know, explain deductible leveraging. And then you go, well, but that only works if your spec set at the right level. If you set it too low, then you're going to have a higher rate increase than deductible leveraging implies. And so you can do all that stuff later, but that's probably not going to get you the case. See what? And look at all the areas John played on. Big one being, this is the safe choice. I now make fully insured look incredibly risky when we model it out pro forma looking forward. And I just heard these people, unless they're paid actors and this is all a scam, you know, that was really impressive. And so that's how you present. I like it. Tell the story. Hey, Zach Jones says they have health benefits in Arkansas. Evidently, that's where I think Walmart headquarters is. Yeah, they have yes, benefits. In the and they, nowhere have, they actually have teeth down there so you can sell dental insurance too. Shout out to Zach Jones. What else we got? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to keep it simple and just a reminder here, guys, if it sounds like, hey, these guys are repeating themselves. We are. Because sometimes when I talk to advisors who watch the show or listen to the podcast, they forget. And guess who else forgets? I forget sometimes too. A lot of times, except for the stuff that I'm used to doing every day. But what we were talking about in the last one is like, you know, I'm going fishing, right? I'm going with my uncle and I'm used to going on the rowboat, right? We had a rowboat on the lake and we go bass fishing, right? And we'd use worms and we would use lures, right? Spinning lures, stuff like that. And so we go down trout fishing, stream fishing and for trout. And I'm down there and I'm throwing a lure in and, you know, reeling it back. And my uncle comes over and goes, what the hell are you doing using that? I'm like, what? He's like, that's a bass lure. It was this big, you know, one of those big bass lures with the three hooks under it. And I'm throwing in. Yeah. Yeah. No idea what I was doing. He's like, you can't catch trout fish with a bass lure. Okay. You got to use a trout stream lure that's tiny and it spins and shines because it's in the stream to hook these smaller fish. And the point of the story is if you're using the wrong bait to hook them in these sales meetings, talking about the wrong things, you're never going to catch them. You've got to use the bait that makes them move. Each different fish requires a different bait. Each different fish likes different types of bait. The difference with fishing is you know before you get there what kind of fish it is and what they like. By the way, stream fishing, my favorite would be Potsky's Balls of Fire. Shout out to anybody who knows what that is. Unlike that in business, you don't know who you're going to talk to. So if you go there and you don't find out what kind of fish they are, how are you going to know what bait to use? What happens most of the time is people show up with their pitch already in mind. And, you know, frankly, they throw up on them and tell them how smart they are. And then people go, and 80% don't change. 
I used your line when I came in. I go, look, there was two people in the meeting. I go, look, I'm flying a little blind here. Could you tell me a little about your role at the organization and just your kind of functions and how you're tied into, you know, the healthcare conversation, right? Make it funny. Poor you. You're stuck in this meeting. How did you end up in this meeting? What is it, you guys? And then they go on. They rant. Some people just rant and tell you so much and volunteer so much more information. And I've come to find out, which the other broker didn't know, was the owner was her brother. Broker didn't know that. Do you think that's important? Of course, that's important. Okay, so now we figured that out and said, hey, I guess you're the real boss here. You're the real boss. Is that why you're here? You make jokes or whatever, and you find out each person. And I told you, I didn't have my Zoom up because it was through a thing or whatever, and they couldn't see. But, you know, I use a sheet that says purpose of healthcare and put a bunch up and let them pick like we're playing a little game or something like that. And they think they're playing a game. Just just to engage, yeah. Engagement, you're getting them to pay attention. You're getting them to answer questions for you and lead you down the path you want. And they're going to volunteer certain information, and it's going to be great. And I utilize all of it back then because, again, everybody has what? Self-served interests. And that's what everybody cares about is themselves. And so if you're dealing with a non-owner, well, what is that person's real interest to the conversation and the decision, right? You need to figure that out. You're baiting your hook, right? Before you throw the bait in. I got to decide how I'm going to bait my hook now at the end of this meeting, right? I want to reel this fish in. I got to bait the hook. And the goal that I did was their key was they're very into offering very rich benefits and continuing to offer those rich benefits. And so I played into the game of, well, you know, you got this increase this year. What is that going to look like? Where's that going to go? What if that continues? Okay. What have you done in the past? right? Push on the pain, dig on the pain. What are the consequences of the pain, right? Here's a script. What's the pain? What is the consequences? How long has it been going on? What have you done to fix it? Are you comfortable to rely on this strategy? What would you like to happen or change over the next 12 months, six months? You're comfortable. What's stopping you from doing this now? Like, okay, you see the problem, you see the pain, it's uncomfortable consequences. Why haven't you done anything to change it, right? Why? And then why now? Why do anything? And that's the path of getting them to tell you everything where, you know, they can't object you later because they've already answered everything you're going to sell around. And then objections are just for amateurs because. And if you found out what makes them tick, then it's very easy for you to, with conviction, explain why you don't work for free and why anyone who would would represent an incredible risk to them. Right. So you take the moral high ground and you just take the sale away and you say, you know, I'm afraid that's not how we work. Those aren't the kind of organizations we work with, right? I mean, you basically, you know, have to nicely put them in their place to say, you know, that's the most unsophisticated, ignorant way you can go about things. And that's not what you're looking for. So you just have to be polished in just having conversations with people. You know, you have to to get the whole product sale out of your mind and just try to have a conversation with a person. Practice. Talking about practice? practice. Shout out Paul Secret's on there. Paul Secret gets more practice than anybody. He's up there with Craig's level now in the number of meetings he got. And I see his videos now compared to six months ago, night and day, because he practices. And now he has answers for all those amateur objections. He yeah. knows how to swat them away like a, a little fly, right? Those are for amateurs, those types of objections, if they stop you in your tracks. Right. And that premature overanalysis, right? I spin that as, you know, that's an analyst type question. And, you know, those aren't the questions. Those are process compliance and admin questions. Those aren't the decisions that determine whether or not the strategy is a fit, right? So when it's time to get into the weeds with the analyst level questions, that's what we'll do. Now, 
You see, so I just that's just I just premature. push those to the side and stick to the high level strategy that's really going to make the determination on whether they're going to go or not. What else do you got, Craig? I mean, I think that's it. It's just a reminder. We'll keep it short and sweet. I was thinking of publishing this really interesting report on HSA Council Demographic Survey. And, you know, I'm not really a fan of HSAs for the majority of the workforce. They can work great. Hell, we've had them for years, right? And one of my staff people has a very nice chunk of change in there because she's basically healthy and makes a really nice living and never has to use the thing. But I found it fascinating that starting at age 45 through 74, when it shows the percentage of people who have accounts versus the percentage of assets that they hold, it's one of the big problems that exists with all these HSAs. The average, the highest account balance holders are people who make over a hundred grand, who tend to be older employees in most groups. And so you have a plan that is discriminatory against, metaphorically, against the ordinary employee. They're woefully inadequate. John, I know your favorite are seeing these employers, right, that have a HRA that funds 100% of the deductible and they're self-insured. Or I see these HSAs that have 100% employer contribution into the HSA. I mean, it's so (laughs) idiotic. I'm always like, before I insult the advisor, I'm like, who? could you tell me who set this plan? strategy up the you know oh what funding an hsa buying a high deductible plan and then funding the hsa as an employer can you tell me whose idea that was right before i because <laughs> if it was their idea now i got to figure out a way how i'm going to talk to the employer and tell them how stupid it is to do that and i got to be careful so I don't what, what went into the decision to decide to turn the medical plan into a hundred percent coverage by giving them a hundred percent of the deductible yeah, it's just, I'm just you, I'm curious. You, you, what, you I don't see that to, very often. You tried to self-fund it with training wheels with an HSA plan, and then you went back and you just funded the deductibles as if it was premium. Yeah, I'm sure the employees are happy because you don't know how to set up a health plan. Anyhow, yeah. shout out to Clayton. Clayton just joined us. Congrats on that 26-year-old monster account. Keep it up, man. You got a bright future. You're gonna look old guys in the business, man. Look out for young guys like that because he was smooth, sharp, and. Hey, remind me of myself. He's going to make some money in this business. And old guys, step up or step out, baby, because it's the young guy's time again. If you're listening, now's that time to step out. Opportunity is on the horizon. Change is being made. If there's a time to take the risk, it's now because COVID's over. People are going to be changing, looking for new ideas. They're looking for strategies, looking for young guys. Look, young guys got the idea. I was telling a story the other day about my doctor that I met. Primary care doctor got a prescription. Just asked her a couple questions about East Coast and people and why and this and that. And she explained it to a T and her knowledge was superior. And why? Because she was, you know, 30 years old, 32 years old, you know, fresh out of med school and understanding people and ideas and studying and getting better. And she ripped it down. It's like, you know what? I don't want an old doctor. I don't want the old guy. I want the new person that's smart. And some people are ready. They're ready for new, fresh ideas, enthusiasm, excitement. And so if you're younger and you're thinking of making that leap from the big box, do it. We did the math last week, right? $2 million book. I got a $2 million book, blah, 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 blah. It's great. What do they pay you on that? 20%. Okay. So that's $400,000 in revenue. Okay. Well, if you have your own agency, account manager, you keep a hundred percent. I mean, your book could literally be 600,000 and you're going to make $400,000 net in reality, maybe even more depending on what you pay your account manager, probably 450. And so now you only have to manage a $600,000 book versus 2 million. See the difference? Understand that. 
Don't think yeah. you can do it and think you need the big name. Now, look, maybe some of you need yeah. a big name. You're not really a salesperson. You're an account manager. Account manager. Yeah, keep we in see. mind, a lot of guys and gals have an under 500 employee book, right? And so in all honesty, you know, I talk to a lot of brokers around the country and some of them have been unhappy after they sold to a big box. And it takes them about 18 months and they start to realize, you know, I don't need most of the resources that are part of the big pitch for the big companies because in my market, small mid-market, I don't use those resources, right? And they're still my clients that were with me for five or 10 or 15 or 20 years before I sold. And now, you know, because of the rules and how much staff I can have relative to the revenue because they've got to hit their margins because the private equity company's squeezing them and then I got to ask for permission to travel. You know, there's just a lot more rules and restrictions. And all of a sudden you take these guys who didn't have to ask permission before who could do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. And sometimes they come to the realization, you know, I think I want to maybe unwind this thing. So, you know, for those people who are in that position, yeah, this is probably one of the greatest times ever from a standpoint of the marketplace. Employers are in such a fix for the next two years renewals that there's going to be a lot of movement going on. And that's when you want to be in the market. You know, for those old timers like me, you know, Hillary Care in 1994, we literally, I didn't have to get out of bed for two years, John. Right? <laughs> literally, not that I did, but Bill Clinton was the president. And Hillary was going to nationalize healthcare. And oh my God, I mean, that it hadn't happened at that serious a level. And literally 30% across the board rate cuts on all fully insured groups. And then the next year, wow. they increased it a little. I mean, literally nothing to do for two years, fully insured. And those were the days, you guys don't even know about this. That Those were the days when the carriers paid you level 10. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, sounds so, like my self-funded groups. I mean, look, gotta, so, my self-funded groups are so it's so easy to deliver self-funded renewals when they're structured properly and have the right protection. It's so simple. You just go. I'm going over the history and the results. Oh, and then I say, oh yeah, by the way, this is the renewal. I'll see you next year. Charlotte said, "What about the young ladies? Young ladies out there too? Hey, we hired a nice young lady, Crystal. Shout out to Crystal joining the team. She's out yeah. rocking it. Got her first case today. Take and guy, girl, it don't matter." Get your ass together. Get out there. Start selling. A lot of money girls, to be had. A, yeah. Girls have an advantage, I think. Right? Because ladies can talk to ladies. You're better listeners. Just naturally. You're wired that way. And a lot of the people who get paid to manage healthcare at employers are women. And so it's advantageous for you. Make it happen. Right. We had a gal we wanted to hire, right? And she went to a payroll company. Right, John? Yep. She's like, I'm making so much money. I can't go back into insurance. It's like shooting ducks in a barrel. Easy Same buyer. Same buyer for payroll, typically. Easy peasy. We'll end it there. For those that are coming, high stakes advising, going to be a good one. Another reminder, winter's come. <laughs> News, it's not coming. It's here, baby. It's Either going after it or somebody else's. Tune in next Thursday, Virtual Health Consortium. If you haven't checked it out, sign up on the website, virtualalliance.com. Hey, guys. Hey, I got Carol. an idea for you, John. Everybody on Heads Up Advisor, post your highest renewals. Right. We'll have a special surprise for whoever's getting the highest renewals right now. That'd be fine. Yeah, I told you, I just seen 360s, 150. I mean, they're <sighs> puts me in such an easy position to win on those to get up to those max cost numbers that we need sometimes. Right. To put us in the ballpark. Yeah. But, oh, baby, they're getting popped right now. And Ooh. it's just a great story to tell. It's like, look, you want the hamster wheel? 
oh, wait, you want to leave the 50% increase to go to, you know, the Green Tree Company because they're 10% less because they're buying you this year, even though the claims show they'll lose money. What happens next year? You get popped again. So you're going to have to decide at some point. It's either now or next year. You're going to go. You're going to have to go down this track. Why not start? And then you could paint the picture. Who's the number one salesperson for you? Are they married? Does the spouse work? What would you be willing to do to keep that person? So what happens if you lose them because your benefits suck and they're tired of you? Every time you give them a pay raise, you suck it back out of them because you jack up their premiums because you have no idea what the carrier is going to do to you at renewal other than raise your rates. Consequences of benefits. I mean, look, you're hearing more and more now with the environment change, with the tight labor market, COVID, that benefits are back to being what they were initially put in for benefits where in the past it's just too expensive. I hate this. You're hearing people using it again for recruiting and retaining tools. So start to sell around it. I wish I used that yesterday. I think that would have been even better. But anyhow, girls, guys, enjoy it. Happy hunting. Winter's here. Go out, start rocking, close some business. We'll see you on the next one. Heads up advisor. <laughs>